Satsang Podcast by Sri Pure Intelligence. In the system of yoga, intelligence is seen from a completely different perspective than would be seen from the academic world or the professional world. When you go to school and you learn certain subjects, read certain books, acquire certain knowledge and information, you develop your intellect in a certain way to remember facts and figures, to memorize systems of mathematics, of science, to learn a language, and so on and so forth. So, the human being's intellect or mind gets developed in learning certain ideas, concepts, from that acquires certain beliefs. So this development of the intellect allows the person to now interact in society, to become a professional in whatever profession that the person has chosen, and to be able to communicate, whether it's through writing or media or various different languages that the person might have learned. So this is the relative state. This is the relative intellect that's used to determine what the senses perceive. So what the eyes see, the intellect can now make its conclusions about. What the nose smells, the intellect can make its conclusions about. What you feel, what you taste, again the intellect can know. Is this soft? Is this hard? Is this food good for me from what I've read about diet and nutrition? Or not good for me? Even though it tastes good, doesn't mean necessarily it is good for me. So that's how the relative intellect, the intellect of a human being, will function. But for the meditator, there's a whole different functioning of the intellect that we have to understand. Now many people will judge their intelligence. I know for myself, based on how you do in school, some people might be A students and they might have really very little other intuitive or what they call streetwise knowledge but might be very good at memorization and book knowledge. Other people may not be very good at book knowledge, memorization, passing exams, but might be very wise, might be very intuitive, might have a different kind of knowledge. So, oftentimes, you might find that people, and you might even find this yourself, judge themselves based on whether they did good at school, what their grades were, what profession they've achieved, what credentials they have, whether they have a degree in university or a master's or a PhD or became a doctor or a lawyer. This is how society judges intelligence. Many books are written by highly developed intellectuals who have acquired a certain knowledge. This even happens in the system of yoga and meditation. There's thousands of books out there by scholars and intellects who have read, who have studied, and who can write about it and talk about it. But, as we've seen, when you look at a book, it's basically ink on paper. And the one who reads it, whether they have the intelligence to understand it or not, is a different story. 
the one who writes it, whether they really have experienced the states of consciousness and awareness that they're writing about, that we don't know. However, oftentimes, when someone is writing directly from that source space of their own experience, this is picked up in the writing even. So, what is pure intelligence? In yogic system, it's called shuddh buddhi. Buddhi meaning intellect, shuddh meaning pure. So this shuddh buddhi is now using that same instrument of the intellect. So the mind, the aspect of the mind that can discriminate that can function to recognize, that has memory in it, that we call the intellect. The other aspects of the mind in yogic science are the chit, which is just the mind itself, and the man, which is the recording aspect of the mind that records all the past memories and experiences so that the buddhi can now discriminate. This discriminating intellect if it's developed in the relative existence using the senses, it will function in the degree of its learning and its experience and its knowledge. But for the one who begins to meditate, develops this should buddhi. Recently Swamiji also called it swabuddhi, swa meaning self and buddhi meaning intellect. So the intellect of the self you might have noticed in your own experience whether you did well at school got good grades or not there were some people that achieved that but they didn't seem to have sort of everyday experience or experiential knowledge you might have felt that you had a certain intuition a certain knowledge that didn't come directly just from the buddhi or the relative intellect based on the senses so this is what we develop, we want to develop more and more through the practice of meditation. Because as we've seen in meditation, you become the knower. Or more correctly, I would say that you become aware that you are knower. You are pure knowingness. So whatever is going on in the mind, whatever the intellect knows or doesn't know, whether there's certain conversations that you have and you feel adept at that subject so you feel good. Other conversations, you're not adept at that subject, you might feel small. That you are not the intellect. You are not the mind. You are not limited to that tool that you use to perceive the world. Because you are the knower. You are the knowingness. So in meditation, through using the intellect, because it's the instrument that the human being has to use, and watching and examining, you become aware that the intellect functions, again, based on your experience, past knowledge, learning, abilities that you've achieved on that level. But there's a you that's not limited. There's a you that just knows. And I'm sure you've all had that experience where you just knew something. You just knew something about someone. You just knew something was going to happen. You just knew. And that just knowing is that pure intelligence. So through meditation, 
we develop that pure intelligence because there is that self, the swa, swabuddhi, that you are, that is the knower. And when the energy moves, or when the consciousness begins to move, just like air can be still or it can become wind, so that stillness, that some space, which is forever still, pure, begins to move, and that first wave is that pure, purified intellect begins to function. And as we move with that, it can say, I am thinking, I am talking, I am reading. That's the ahankar, the ego mechanism. Then is at work. But the sum, the knower, the knowingness, the swa, the self, hasn't changed. It's forever you. So through this practice of meditation where you examine yourself as that I, the knower, the very intellect, buddhi, that was just the victim basically of the senses. And as we've seen this, and I'm sure you've seen it in your life, that the way the senses function is they want more and more and more. They want satisfaction. They taste something, it tastes good, so you want more of it. You feel something, it feels good, you want more of it. You think something, it, it, it's, it's nice thought, you want to think more nice thoughts. Feel happy, you want more happiness. This is the basis of the senses and the relative buddhi intellect will keep drawing you in to finding that fulfillment, that satisfaction from the senses. Nothing wrong because that's how it functions. But you as the meditator now have a higher functioning. You tune in to that being pure. Now oftentimes the word in intuition might be used here. But this can be a confusing term because people have often asked the question, how do I know if it's my intuition or if it's coming from the self? How do I know if my decision that I'm making is a pure decision from that Shuddha buddhi, that purified intellect, or is my mind getting in the way? This is a question that's only answered in the answered state of consciousness. So if you try to f use your mind to get the answer, you will not be successful because again it brings you to the level of the mind. The one who's even asking the question is asking it from the level of the mind. So what is called intuition is really knowledge of the self. What is called pure buddhi or pure intellect is the knower, is the pure knowingness, is that knowledge. And when you rest in that, it's not like your mind is used to make a decision. It's not that your mind is deciding is this decision from my mind, from my intellect, or is it from my intuition? There's a knowingness. And you say, well, how do you know? Well, when you put your finger in fire, how do you know that it burns? When you touch water, how do you know that it's water? Now we could say that the senses know, and that's true because the senses have been trained to experience. But if we analyze that further, we become aware that without you, the knower, the senses can't operate. Without you, the pure being, there's no light 
There's no energy. There's no reflection in the physical body to even have senses. So that's where we take it all back to the very self. The example is given of the sun. The sun is forever shining, the pure light. But we can call it rays or we can call it sunshine. So the pure being is forever shining as you. You can call it intellect, you can call it mind, you can call it senses, but it's pure being. So the answer to the question is to know the pure being. Because as soon as that reflection going through the senses, mind, body, intellect, now believes itself to be that I, ahankar, that is in the body only, using a senses, using a mind, then the pure being, the pure space, is not known at that time, can be forgotten. But for the one who meditates and continues to examine that pure being, forever unchanging, forever pure, free, then the awareness dawns, the answered state is experienced, and you know you are that. Then there's no thought, should I do this, should I do that? It's as if from that pure consciousness, everything moves as it should. One example that you could use of this is when you see a small child who hasn't developed a mind yet, and they just move from place to place, from toy to toy, might cry one minute, might laugh the next. There's just a movement. The baby is born, and it knows how to suckle the mother's breast, how to drink the milk. It just knows. So that knowingness is forever present. We could say it's innate, but then again we go back to the body. So instead we want to say that knowingness is all that you are, is all that this is. It just appears to move. The water is still, the wind comes, and the wave appears. It's still water. The air is still, the wind comes, and it becomes wind. It's still air. So you are forever shining as pure being, pure consciousness, pure awareness. And as that energy reflection reflects on the mind, just like if we use the example of a mirror, it's all pure mirror. It's all pure knowingness. You put a flower in front of the mirror, and you look in the mirror, and you say it's a flower. That reflection of the flower. In the same way, the mind and intellect, the buddhi, is just the reflection of that pure consciousness. So now we begin to see that that mind is a tool. The senses are tools. The pure consciousness, we can say, from the perspective of the body, is using all the tools of all the senses and the mind to experience the world for enjoyment's sake and to know how to function in society. However, the yogi knows that there really is no tool, there really is no body separate, there really is no individual existence. It's all swa, it's all swa buddhi, that highest self, the light of the knowledge. It's all the sun, the sun is forever shining, its rays of light illuminating everything. So when the attention now goes to swa, should purity itself in meditation, we use only the knower because that's the link to know the knower. 
There's a knowingness, and we can call that the knower. However, it's not the same as the knower of the mind that just knows through the senses. It's the one who's knowing the mind. So this technique of knower is only used for the one who thinks that they're limited as a body and mind. So we take to the knower, because that's the link. We know the knower. We know I am knower. For the one that thinks I am body, I am th my thoughts. I am the victim to happiness and unhappiness, good thoughts and bad thoughts. That one now says no to that and says, I am knower. I am pure, free, forever. This is the technique of meditation. This is the most important aspect of our sadhana, to know the knower, to be that knower. Not only know the knower, but to become that knower, meaning that to return to your originality that you've always been, which is forever shining as knower alone, as you, pure, free, forever. Every night in deep sleep for half of your life, you're pure knower. You're not troubled by anything. So why when you wake up in the waking state, why to take on that mind and all those troubles again? Only because it's a habit. So again, we need to break that habit. And instead of taking all that I-ness, I am this, I am that, I am this trouble, I have that trouble, I have this money problem, I am fearful of the economy, and all that. Instead of dwelling on all of that, we use the information, we can read about it, hear about it, take it in, that's fine, that's how the system functions. But you, the knower, have not changed whether the stock market goes up, whether it goes down. You remain forever the same. So, when the attention is on that purity, that buddhi, that purified intellect, is developed. And then from that, all the life becomes the perfect flow. You just flow in the space of sham, that blue-black space of your own self, of peace and joy and freedom. And the whole life, in each moment, becomes a delight because you're not limited to any moment, to any thought, to any experiences, to the senses. You know it's all you, the purity itself. Amaram ham, maduram ham, amaram ham, maduram ham. So keep attending to that being. Keep attending and examining you that is pure, free, and forever.